I don't I don't think, based on my understanding of history, that the thing to be afraid of is AIs taking over and doing crazy things. The reason I say that is because we're so afraid of it. The yeah. thing we're afraid of is never what bites us. The the thing that the changes are likely to be very similar to the ones that occurred in the 1830s and the 1920s. I agree. Um, and, and we don't study history very well. And George Santayana said it very well. It summed up that quite well when he said, those who do not remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Fortunately, we are getting better and better at studying the past. And we have people who have looked at that very carefully, which we didn't have in, in the last cycles that this occurred. I think we're going to do well. Once more unto the breach, dear friends. Else fill up the wall with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome back to another exciting second hour of The Personal Wealth Coach, where we will talk to you about such things as... Uh, Cubits. Cubits. Quibits. And uh, gen- generative pre-trained transformer. Yes, and things of that nature, and ilk. So uh, we have... Lots of good stuff to talk to you about. Um, We look ahead at the next seven or so years in the economy of the United States with glowing optimism. And this is the same two people that we've been waffling around about recession, no recession. Possibly we're going into a recession. We might grow ourselves out of it. We've now predicted all possible outcomes, which means we're going to be correct at whatever occurs. But when we look ahead at the seven coming seven years, we see amazing growth. Why? Well, would you please enlighten us? Well, there's a cycle we're going through that's approximately 100 years in in length. And we can look back to the introduction of the technology of the internal combustion engine 100 years ago and see that it radically changed society. We went from having lots and lots and lots of people in the early, even in the early 1920s, working on farms behind animals. By the end of the 1920s, most of those people were out of work. Why were they out of work? Well, because tractors had replaced people behind mules and pickups had replaced wagons and horses. Uh, And as a result, we had a major socioeconomic shift in the United States and for that matter in the world. And I suspect we will see one this time. It won't be the same thing, but it will happen. Uh, Jake was talking earlier about the fact that uh, that trend of fewer people doing more has been accelerating and is continuing to accelerate. We haven't seen the we haven't even seen the edge of it so far. It is it is going to be is so massive because it happens about every hundred years. Shoot, it happened uh, in the 1830s. The that's what. Dickens right, was writing about, among other things, where cottage industries became factories. And the people who were working in the cottages making things by hand no longer could afford, no longer could sell them at any price that would compensate them for what they did. And agriculture began to consolidate. Uh, And this was all because of the steam engine. The steam engine enabled power to make things to be centralized, be big and centralized, and be far more efficient than individual people making things and individual people doing things. Well, we're seeing this happen again right now. Chat GDP. G- GDP, is that it? No, it's not no, GDP. No. Chat, uh, chat, whatever. GTP. 
GTP, whatever, the artificial intelligence talking GPT, idiot, I'm sorry, GPT. Who is a, who is a <laughs> nine-year-old idio savant, I've concluded, has no social sense uh, and doesn't always tell the truth, but comes up with some interesting things. This is the first of many, 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 many. And you think if you think about the quantity of time and the number of people who are employed doing tax returns, filling out forms, creating forms, writing things for people to say or do, creating all this stuff that people do individually in their homes or in their businesses. We have seen the first tiny infant showing of something that will become ubiquitous over the next several years. Agreed. And the Not just ubiquitous, are- but more powerful. I, I mean, there's terrifying pieces here, but there's also amazing pieces. Stocks, st- banks, and and stock exchanges and regulators are now banning chat. GB is it GBT, GBT. Yeah, <laughs> none, it none of those things. It's chat GPT. Chat GPT. Why GPT? I don't know, but it's being banned. Just like email was banned by the regulators for for people to use in banks and so on because they couldn't control it and didn't know what to do with it. But folks, this is the firstborn infant idiot of an entire generation of things that's about to happen and you're about to see happening. And right now, most teachers and most college professors are unable to distinguish between a paper written by an AI and a paper that should have been written by the student. And the AIs are just getting smarter and smarter and smarter. This is going to be such a huge change. It's the equivalent of the cottage industry or the farm worker The number of people who do labor-intensive, boring, terrible jobs day in and day out, either talking on the phone or writing things or filling out forms, those jobs are about to disappear because there's a computer that can do them. Well, here is the the thing that I would say before everyone panics, and I'll give you a quick, what is GPT? It's it's generative pre-trained. Sometimes it's called generative pre-trained transformer, but that's a little extreme. It's a it's a language it's a transformer, model. Transformer, transformer. It just means it generated its understanding of language by being fed a bunch of it. It's how kids learn. They just hear a bunch of the language. Well, the way the machine learns it isn't using the same patterns of learning. We're not really sure how it gets to its end result except through trial and error is saying is this the right answer no is this the right answer no is this the right answer yes and eventually all the answers are right because it's figured out what it is we're really asking so that's what's going on here here's the thing to prevent the panic when we say all of these jobs are going to go away and i'll give you a great example uh, SQL Server programming. Uh, understanding SQL, the language, uh, is is difficult. But most, of, it's not difficult. It's actually pretty easy to learn. But it takes time, and and most of our web pages and most of our business data is held in some form of SQL language, SQL, structured query language. I said SQL language, which is like saying ATM machine. There's an extra M on the end of that. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Chat GPT can write SQL easily. You say, hey, tell me the command to input a record, and it will write the language for you. It'll, you tell it whatever you want and have it write it for you. So that just means that all the programmers are going to be out of a job, right? Well, no. no. The reason is because 
Microsoft right now is the first that's really introducing it this way. This GPT came from Alphabet. That's Google. They released this open source as a method of training computers in 2020. Google's doing it too. They're also working on uh, really, really, really powerful quantum computers. And they've just made a big milestone there. So the speed of processing is going to in increase. Here's the thing to keep you from panicking. These corporations aren't doing it for free. There's a profit motive here. They're going to figure out some way of charging for it. And for a while, it's going to be expensive. And that's the transition. If there's few things and a lot of people that want it, the prices are going to be high. And that'll be there and over a transitional period. It's going to be a relatively long transitional period. So don't get so scared and run away. Look at the excitement that's coming and realize that we're going to be able to transition our whole business models around it slowly without laying off tons of people, hopefully. I spend a lot of time writing. And as I write, I write letters and I write newsletters and I write newspaper columns. And one of the things I've been comforted in over the years is there just isn't any computer that can do that. Right. And well, now there so is. Quite, now, folks, I read a, an article written entirely by chat. Is it GPT? Yes. Right? Generative pre-trained GPT. Yeah. Chat GPT. And I am not at all sure that I could have written that article that well. Yeah. And that is, that's a little scary, but it's the reality. And um, we've heard these stilted telephone conversations with computers that don't understand what you're saying and who, hello, I am calling for the person McClure who there is maybe. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's, that's stone age. Yeah. I suspect in the very near future, meaning within the next couple of years, you will be able to hold a conversation with a computer and not know you're holding a conversation with a computer. Chat GPT has passed the Turing test. Yeah, people have been uh, in, 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 only using text, mind you, no voice so far, but using text, which is the way the Turing test was set up. Um, if you were to hold a conversation using text, using writing, and you couldn't tell the difference, you couldn't tell whether you were conversing with a live human being or a computer, then we have entered the age of artificial intelligence. Right, and folks. This year, in 2023, because this is when the news came out, it may have happened in 2022, will be the landmark. It'll be the, I think, the equivalent of the uh, McCormick Reaper, which changed agriculture. It will be the equivalent of Henry Ford's mass production of internal combustion automobiles and pickup trucks. It will be the, who was it, the, the steam engine, the portable steam engine, the one that could run on rails. Uh, was it Watt? Uh, I, Watt was the steam engine itself. So yeah, so um, Watt basically it's the equivalent of Watt or Alexander Graham Bell. And only there won't be necessarily a name associated with it. But we are in the midst of one of the most significant socioeconomic change periods in the history of the world. And, some, and it's just going to get more so. Right. Some companies yep. are ahead of it and have failed because they're too early. And some people are, some companies are going to be behind it and are going to fail because they're too late. Um, and if you think of like Kodak, uh, the film processing company, they are the ones that created and began the process of the digital camera that is so ubiquitous today. And then they had a CEO that was trying to transition the company to digital 
as fast as he possibly could and nearly drove the company bankrupt because the digital camera wasn't popular enough yet. And then the new CEO came in with a mandate from the shareholders to go back to what they had before and to be the strength of the film industry forever, that film would never die. And you can see there's a problem there. Uh, and the same the same thing happened with Xerox. Right. Xerox, uh, Xerox Park Labs in California invented the graphic user interface, which again is ubiquitous. We use it, the fact that you can move your mouse around and click on a picture or on an icon or whatever. They invented it, but they decided not to, the board of directors decided not to patent it because it wouldn't help make better copies, but it changed almost everything. Right. Uh, it, and, it, and it continues to change things. So, what, But that was just the opening, the opening shots in a change that we will see over the next, by the, through, the, through the 2020s, I firmly believe we will see a massive technological change that will put all of that to shame. It will be the, all the changes we have seen due to computer chips up until now. I'll give you an example of a major thing that we may have overlooked. You may overlook because you just say, well, it happened. Russia advanced on Ukraine with large numbers of sophisticated tanks. Mm -hmm. The Ukrainians had virtually no tanks, and they wiped them out. Why? Because they had a shoulder-launched missile with a computer chip in it that was pretty smart that flew up into the air and came down and blew off the top of the tank where the armor is thin. The tank, as a primary means of taking ground, suddenly ceased to be a primary means of taking ground. Or it changes the way it takes ground. So, I mean, it is a phenomenal shift. And that was one piece of technology in the information revolution. It's automated. It's moving into the information automation. I mean, the this is an interesting. There, there's L3, which is a defense contractor in the United States, is working on a new rifle-mounted uh, site. It's a combat site that's going to replace, if any military folks out there, the, the old ACOG, old, <laughs> put air quotes around that because it's still considered relatively new. And it gives a lot of technology, like windage control without input, it just knows and moves your site for you. Um, smart bullets are coming. They're actually being developed right now. So the act of aiming being a good shot will be, yes, I'm a good shot. I have a rifle. Or eventually, it won't be a person holding the rifle. And that's already the case in a lot of instances is that we're automating even warfare. We're automating the drone systems are up there. Uh, so warfare is a good place to look at what's going to happen across the rest of the economy. Uh, airplanes uh, were used as hobby items until the war came in World War I. And then you realized if you put some effort into these things, they could carry a lot of stuff across a long distance. And again, they stagnated until the next big war. And then you realize you can do even more with these things if you spend some effort on it. We're still kind of using the technology in our jets from just after and during World War II. It's, it's increased it's better but there are a couple of things that are hitting right now that are completely new forms of propulsion that require a big defensive spending for us to realize its worth on the on the industrial level you don't necessarily need a war if you have a strong enough demand elsewhere 
and we look at how our computer chips are being made. It used to require in the lab where the chips are kind of grown, all these people in white money suits that look like astronauts. It doesn't anymore. The new chip facilities that are being created in the United States are being created with far less capacity for humans to be involved in the manufacturing process because they can't do it anymore. It's way too small for us. The machines have to do it, which means that, you know, the last hour, this all got started because we were talking a bit about history and we got this question from John about what's changing right now. The pandemic caused us to spend a lot of money right now, all at once, on manufacturing. A lot of money was spent on computer chip manufacturing. The facilities that we have or that exist in China or in Taiwan, uh, the massive facilities, the, the factory lines kind of get redrawn every year and the machines are tweaked a bit here and there and some machines are completely replaced. They're all custom made. It's not like there's a, another manufacturing company somewhere that just makes chip manufacturing things for Intel. Intel has to figure that out and has to make these machines. And they're slowly tweaked over the years to increase the potential ability to do things. But you don't want to scrap the whole machine because you spent a lot of money on that machine. Well, then comes the pandemic. And we can't reach those machines because they're on the other side of a really big ocean and nobody's shipping anymore. So we said, all right, let's take the best technology we have today based on all the things that we've been doing and let's build from scratch all that stuff. Let's not copy what we already have over there because why would we build something that's starting on technology that's 20 years old? Let's build with the best stuff today. And in effect, what's happening in the computer chip making world is similar to what happened to car manufacturing when Tesla came along. This is not in any way an effort to say, go out and get Tesla. It's overpriced. There's a lot of things that are wonderful about that company, but there's a lot of things that you, you basically the price you would have, they would have to sell all the cars in the world to be at the price that they are. And that doesn't make any sense. But what the reason why they're so highly sought after and so expensive as a company right now is because during the pandemic, they were a manu car manufacturer that was least affected by the supply chain issues because they started from scratch with a different supply chain model. And they tried to make it as uh, small and short as it could be, where our supply chain for Ford and General Motors... Yeah, it's been redrawn a few times, but it's still based on this sprawling complex of different parts coming from thousands of different companies to come together into one automobile. And that means that one failure on any of one of those thousands of things is going to break it. Well, we're in the process of fixing that across the entirety of our supply chains. Those companies that don't fix that are going to die as companies, whether that's car manufacturing or canning of beans. It doesn't matter. The model has shifted from a completely industrial concept that's represented really well by the car manufacturers because it was developed by the Industrial Revolution where you, you basically 
supply out all the different pieces. And then when it all comes together, you put it together and there's people standing in a line and they put them up. That model was developed by Henry Ford. This is the revolution we were talking about from 100 years ago. Actually, it was developed in the 1830s by Remington. Remington. Well, yeah, the replaceable uh, parts that in... in and made on a made on an assembly line. And on an assembly line. Well, and, and or, we could or say just applied it to the internal combustion right. engine. And there was a period of two thousand years before that without it, but China had it for crossbow making during one of the major wars in China two thousand years ago, where they made replaceable parts in a mold and cut to the same length all these crossbows and they put out a huge amount of crossbows and then that technology died. It seems like one that would be hard to die because you just stand in a row and you replace the parts, but we had 2,000 years without it. And the Romans had standard parts for their chariots. Right. Uh, they were standardized, the axle length and everything else. And again, it was a military thing and it, we dropped it once the Romans stopped making chariots. Right. So come forward to today... And that technology has become a lot more ubiquitous. So when we say nothing is really new here, we're not talking about the individual technology. I mean, Google Alphabet has just I mentioned this a bit at the end of last hour. They've just made this big milestone in quantum computing. And if you don't know what quantum computing is, you know that the internet runs on ones and zeros. Those are called bits. It's either a one or a zero, an on or an off. It's a switch. That's how all our computers run, and it's based on Turing's model of a computer that he used to crack the Enigma code that the Nazis were using in World War II. The Enigma code was originally written by Leibniz. Binary as an encryption tool was written by Leibniz, who is a contemporary of... Isaac Newton again. How do we get back to here? So the 1600s is the technology that led to the encryption, with air quotes, of binary technology. It means that computers store a bunch of information written in zeros or ones. That means you have to have a lot of zeros or ones to make things or combinations of them that you use to create letters, combinations of them that you use to make numbers, and so on. Okay, a quantum computer uses something called a quibit. You can hear the bit at the end of it because it's a bit. A quibit, depending on the computer, the, the potential for it is actually this. You could have, instead of an on or an off switch holding information there, that you have to take either the on or off and put it into a combination in order to, to get a letter. Instead, you can have an infinite gradient between zero and one, all of the decimal points in between can be stored in that same spot as information, the spectrum between zero and one, which means that you could hold a whole letter or a whole word or a whole dictionary in one bit. That's the potential, is that all of the entirety of everything, if we get to a point where we're writing complex enough code, can be stored in the space of one bit and can be calculated in that one space, which means the speed of calculation is about to multiply not on Moore's law anymore, which is pretty fast. That's an exponential increase. This is an order of magnitude beyond that exponential increase, maybe more than one, maybe an infinite order of magnitude. And I'm not exaggerating there. Eventually, 
you know, this is like if you go back to someone riding a chariot and said, you know, that we can fly in the sky in a metal tube and, uh, and that we can cast our images across the world and, and speak to everyone everywhere on the planet at the same time. Those are godlike powers. It doesn't make any sense for the person on the chariot to understand that. There's, there's, th- that's just omnipotence. How can you speak to millions or billions of people at the same time? And we just accept it as a normal part and we say, hi, mom, and wave at the camera. What I'm talking about in the increase in computing power, we don't even know what the capabilities of that are yet. It'd be like somebody who only knew what a computer could do when it could do um, a calculator, you know, one plus one, three times three. Ooh, this is amazing. Well, this, this means in the future we should be able to have airplanes fly themselves. What? Are you insane? I wouldn't put my, this is a, a barely a calculator. My abacus is faster. Well, we're seeing in chat GPT, what we're seeing in quantum computing is a very real picture of what's coming. What I said at the end of last hour about don't panic, your job's not on the line right now. Microsoft and Alphabet and Apple and every other company that's working on AI, Tesla is one of the major ones, uh, SpaceX, Uh, They're working on this for piloting or driving and for um, orbital mechanics and so on. They're not going to give it to you for free. So at the beginning of this revolution, just like with tractors, it's going to take a while. I mean, the tractor for the farm started coming out in in the 19-teens and really started rolling out in the early 1920s. Uh, and then most farms had them by the late 1920s, and that's what caused the big migration. It didn't just, it wasn't just the automation that caused a bunch of people in agriculture to lose their jobs. They were hanging on. The Dust Bowl hit, and environmental change caused a drought in the middle part of the United States, mostly in Oklahoma, but that was a place where a lot of growing was done in agriculture. It was one of the breadbaskets of our country, and it just stopped producing. At the same time that people in California with with tractors could produce hundreds of times the amount from the same amount of land. So it changed everything, and it caused a mass migration of the Okies to California. Uh, the boom that took place that followed had the little part in the middle where a lot of people were out of work. Are we going to be able to avoid that out of work thing? Well, I hope so, because people in the United States are trained on a lot more stuff than they used to be. You used to know how to turn your plow by telling the off mule or the on mule to turn, uh, and you used to know to do your job by going and getting the egg out from underneath the chicken or to use a hoe in the garden. And it's a lot harder to switch from that to figuring out how to manufacture an automobile. Uh, It's a big shift where today most people are fairly well trained on areas that are technical, but also you have a wider variety of skills. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it's easier to transition. But the reality is that in 10 years or so, we're on schedule. You know, we're talking about these kind of 100-year cycles for something that looks like a major layoff based on the technologies that are coming out today. They're not mature yet. They are early 
forms of what we'll see in a decade. And in, in a decade, we're going to see a massive shift in the way the world does business. And over the time period between now and then is when we're going to see that happen. It's extremely exciting. It's a little terrifying, but that's the way the world is. It's a big, big shift. And I, I don't know that there's any way we can facilitate. The Google's big breakthrough in quantum, by the way, was when you have the ability to be anything between zero and one, but your machine only has the ability to figure out 13 steps between zero and one, you get a lot of errors. You have to control for those. And Google has added networks of other quibits that are basically watching each other to see who's, who's got the error and to get the average between those to get the correct answer. And that, that's a big milestone because error correction, if you, you can't run a computer that's constantly giving you errors, uh, and eventually what we get out of these things are going to be a speed of computing that is far beyond anything that we can comprehend, far beyond. And if it's, and if it's generative in a way that machine learning is involved, whether it's through GPT or any of the other forms of artificial intelligence, the world is going to change. And, and I heard somebody say on, on uh, or read somewhere that the, the, the genie's bottle has already been rubbed. And my response to that is, no, all of the bottles have already been rubbed. <laughs> they're, 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 everybody's making AI. And that means that hopefully we don't have, you know, the movie War Games happen here. We're not allowing chat PT or to uh, take over uh, hospital systems and so on. Uh, we still have control. The scary part is if we ever lose control. And that's a scary because there's a lot well, of potentials out there. On the other end of this is we have the potential of having the cost of living drop to everyone can just live and eat and have medicine. And so it's like Star Trek where everybody lives fine. <laughs> I don't know. I don't I don't think based on my understanding of history that the thing to be afraid of is AIs taking over and doing crazy things. The reason I say that is because we're so afraid of it. The yeah. thing we're afraid of is never what bites us. The the thing that the changes are likely to be very similar to the ones that occurred in the 1830s and the 1920s. I agree. Um and and we don't study history very well and George Santayana said it very well said, he summed up that quite well when he said those who do not remember the past are condemned to repeat it fortunately we are getting better and better at studying the past and we have people who have looked at that very carefully which we didn't have in in, in the last cycles that this occurred i think we're I, going to do well i would say to to Jorge Santayana uh, uh i'm just saying it in it with a spanish accent because uh, I don't know. It's because I'm putting on an accent. Um, George Santayana, I would say to him, we're all condemned <laughs> to repeat it. Just some of us know we're repeating it. True. The, even if well, we study history, know. we can look around and Let say, me, oh, look, we're doing it again. We, But not necessarily as individuals. For example, let's just say that we have the Roaring Twenties repeat itself and we have an economic boom and stocks go up dramatically and bonds fall for seven years, which is, I think, a reasonable probability as interest rates continue to rise over an extended period of time. Those who have looked at the past will see this is part of a cycle and it will come to an end. And there are hallmarks of that end and move 
into appropriate positions to preserve their wealth into the 2030s if indeed we see we do see history not necessarily repeating itself but as mark twain said history doesn't repeat itself but it rhymes so if we if we see this pattern and we have remembered the past by studying it and reading about it we have the opportunity to minimize the pain and maximize the gain by simply understanding where we are in history. Now, I'm afraid most people are not going to do that because most, most people don't. I mean, we certainly saw a lot of people lose a lot of money in this recent meme-driven, crazy market where people were buying stocks that were knowing they knew the underlying company was worthless, was effectively bankrupt. And they bought them because they were going up thinking they were really smart. And I think the same is largely true of crypto. Crypto will have some degree of value for some period of time, but the idea that it could go up forever into astronomical heights is just based on the greater fool theory. You can't do it. It it ultimately is dead end because you can't do anything with the crypto once you buy it except sell it. And it it provides no utility. It uses up great quantities of energy. It is becoming more and more expensive to produce. And, and, you know, and the, argue, a trip. the argument from the crypto folks was, well, that's the same thing about a dollar. It doesn't produce anything or, and, you know, it takes quantities of energy and they, they're arguing against that. My answer was repeatedly, yes, but there's a controlled monetary supply. It's not perfect. Obviously, there's lots of errors. We get inflation, we get deflation. But when you have crypto, you might say, well, there's a specific limit on how many Bitcoins can be made. Well, yeah, but Bitcoin's not the only crypto. If everyone agreed, okay, only Bitcoin, and we said, oh, there's a specific supply of it only, it still has to be backed by something to say it's worth something. I would disagree with the person who spoke to you in that (laughs) you you can't take a Bitcoin and go and buy lunch. You can't buy a house with it. You can't buy anything with it. Well, uh, you can. They were saying, well, there are exceptions for some things. Well, there used to be, but there, I don't know that there's there are still, today. I mean, there's you still used to be a able whole, to buy a Tesla with it, but not anymore. There's still Bitcoin ecosystems where you could buy. It's not possible to completely live only buying and selling with Bitcoin, though. Well, I don't know. I have not seen anything that I could buy that was priced in Bitcoin. That's correct, because you're not in the right but, ecosystem. So when for they it. say the dollar and the Bitcoin are the same thing, that is it's not true. Because it's not true. The the dollar is used as a medium of exchange, so that I can work and have the value of my work paid to me. I can take what was paid to me and go buy something that somebody else has made. That is where the dollar has tremendous value. It is useful. It is utilitarian in that it increases the utility. You don't have to carry chickens around or cows, which is really hard. Some people do. Some people put cows in their trailers and carry them around, but they exchange them for dollars on the other end. Yeah. So the the issue is the dollar has a tremendous utility value, whereas Bitcoin has none whatsoever. None. And any in one of the most basic tenets of, of, of economics is something that has absolutely no utility value eventually vanishes. Now, now we can compare that to gold, for instance. You could say, well, what is the utility value of gold? I have a gold coin and it doesn't do anything and it's, its value has changed. Yeah, but if you look at what it's changed to, it hasn't, if you in, include inflation, 
you you have this weird up and down movement, but it has a very long hundred of hundreds of years cycle of decreasing in value because there's we're finding better ways of making it. We're getting it from different places. And on top of that, it has some value, some utility of its own. It's used in electronics, it's used in jewelry, it's used in art. Where Bitcoin, no, it's not used for anything else except to exist in in cyberspace to be used by transferring itself to it. And the other argument on that front was, well, you have to, There's there is value behind it because there was effort in the creation of it. And my answer to that no. is I can put effort into baking you the best mud pie you've ever had, but you're not going to want to eat it because it's made out of mud. My effort in making it does not give it value, except to me, uh, and and very little to me because I'm not going to eat the mud pie either. Uh, but it, there's effort involved. Well, yeah, there's effort in putting my shoes on, but nobody's going to pay me to do it. That's not what. <laughs> that's not how we transfer value. And we're out of time for the personal wealth coach, so we better start off by telling them how to contact us. Yeah, if you'd like to talk to us off the air, we actually exist when we're not broadcasting. It's amazing. Uh, you can call our office where we will give you, uh, we give uh, individualized custom investment advice at the fiduciary level for and portfolio management for people of relatively high net worth. Um, you can call our office locally at, it's voicemail during the weekend, real live people during the week. 254-947-1111. And you can reach that line toll free, presuming that you don't have one of these new fangled smartphone things. If you got a, a landline, you can reach that line uh, 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. You can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com, and uh, there's a way to listen to our programs going back. You can find links to podcasts. You can read our newsletter there or sign up for it. You can contact us through the contact form or directly at jeff at tpwc.com or jake at tpwc.com.